your personal brand is more than your job title. It's more than, in many cases, the employer that you work for, but it's really about you specifically and that you being in the business of you, regardless of what capacity that then falls into of whether it is being in management or leadership or whether it's being in sales or whether it's running a business or if it's in engineering or project management or any facet of the industry, marketing, all, you know, all of that, that being able to find a category and owning it can really set you apart from many other people. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Matt, I'm doing awesome. How are you? I am fantastic, but I bet you knew that already. I did know that. <laughs> uh, I have a question for you. Okay. In the attractions industry, what is the most special time of the year? Oh, that's easy. The most special, you mean the most wonderful time? The most wonderful of the time year. of the year. Well, you know, there's the holiday seasons, of course, which is, you know, in, in December where, you know, you've got eh, higher than higher than average attendance in the non-seasonal parks and in the seasonal venues, getting some holiday events going underway. And then, of course, there's, you know, there's Thanksgiving, which, of course, is a, a busy time, too, and can be very festive in the parks, but... I think it's the week before Thanksgiving that really stands out as being the most special time of the year. Would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that. And if any listeners don't know what that week is, it's the week of IAPA that Ooh. happens here in North America anyway. I know there's other conferences that happen around the world, but uh, the, the one that we typically refer to as the most wonderful time of the year is that week before Thanksgiving when we all get to get, get together um, and I think this year was was more special uh, because we didn't get to do it in 2020. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny as I've always said for many years, and I mean, I've been attending IAPA. I think not as long as you, but probably not not too far long behind that. You know, every year it's it's like a family reunion, yeah. and we didn't get to have a family reunion in 2020. So it was it was the reunion compounded. So the the energy and the excitement and just seeing people in real life, I just had a, a new special meaning. It's always extremely special. And this was just on another level. And you could just tell that everyone who was there wanted to be there. You know, the, it was, it was very intentional. And I think that that uh, was kind of the, the overarching, I don't know, feeling and vibe throughout the entire week. Well, and I think when you talk about the, that feeling, you know, it was the pent up demand that we talked about so much during COVID, yeah. not that we're completely out of it yet, but um, when you talked about the, the, the guests wanting to come back, they've got this pent up demand to come back to our attractions. Well, we all had this pent up demand to come back and be back together with, with our own people. And I think yeah. that was something that you definitely felt, like you said, I mean, just walking into the, into the convention center even if there weren't that many people around, the feeling was kind of palpable, right? Sure. Like this, this, this is, this is special, right? And, and something that I found went by extremely fast. I mean, the days were long, you know, it seemed like at, at one point, it seemed like I was there forever, but at the same time, when it was done, it was like, it went by in a flash. Yeah. And when you talk about that pent up demand, from the guest side of it, as well as the pent up demand from the industry side of it, I think that that shows just a really positive sign for our industry's recovery, that we were all just as excited to get back together with each other as our guests are to come visit attractions and start spending time and spending money again. So I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's just been all this talk of what will the industry's recovery look like? Obviously, we know 2021 was extremely successful compared to 2020. Um, and in many cases, many businesses exceeded 2019 numbers, which was fantastic. And then just being able to have that all in real life in one place was just <laughs> uh, 
I think we just come back to the word special of, of just having that week together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I know that we want to do some takeaways and some things that we we kind of took away from the expo and, you know, kind of highlight some of the education uh, that we got to be part of. But I also wanted to um, send a really special shout out to all of our listeners who came up to us. And I know you and I, during the week, we talked about this. Hey, so-and-so came up to me and said that they listened to the podcast or so-and-so said that they got this out of a certain episode. And, you know, I just want to send out a heartfelt thank you to all of our listeners because because obviously without them, it's just you and I talking, right? Um, but for everybody who came up to us and said, hey, you know, we love the podcast, love what you're doing. Um, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Because we see the statistics of, of the numbers of people who might be listening, but we don't know who you are. We don't know your faces. So um, it was wonderful to put some faces with the numbers. I, and I'll just echo that, uh, that, yeah, it was incredibly, um, I don't know, humbling, meaningful, fulfilling to, you know, to have people come up to us and I uh, just let us know that they're listening or that they're tuning in or talking about, you know, interviews or episodes that had some really powerful takeaways. So it's, it's really nice to know for us that we're making some sort of impact on some people because we know we love doing this and maybe we would just keep doing it if it was just the <laughs> two of us talking back and forth. But uh, but knowing that, uh, knowing that, yes, those statistics and those numbers, those little dots on the line that, you know, we, we check every now and then to look at the stats that uh, being able to tie in actual faces and people within the amount of people that that we met this year, the amount of people that maybe we've met briefly in passing, but now being able to reconnect with uh, was was uh, was fantastic. And yeah, very, very grateful for all of those who came up to us and let us know. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So should we go ahead and get to some takeaways? I know, again, we want to talk sure. about some education. We want to talk about some of our personal takeaways. Um, you were uh, in, um, involved in a lot of different sessions. I did a couple of different sessions. So um, where should we start? Should we start with education? Start yeah, with I would say yeah. so. So yeah, like you said, we both did some educational sessions. I did a couple that were focused towards the Young Professionals Committee. So they had an audience with those who are generally 18 to 35 and either college students, recent graduates, or those in a mid-level manager position, and then did a couple other that were focused specifically on guest experience. So one of them being about using technology to enhance the guest experience, as well as one specifically on guest feedback. Uh, and the ones that you did, you did one on, uh, was it on listening? And yeah, so and all that? <laughs> I, I did yeah, I, I told I did one on the lost art of listening, uh, which was on Monday, which was uh, just so great, again, to, to be in the room with people and to do those sessions rather than doing them on Zoom. Um, that was that that for me was a, a wonderful takeaway. Um, but then I was also involved in the leadership symposium that was a day and a half session. Um, I was lucky enough to facilitate the CEO speak session again, and then also did the, um, the FEC lunch, where we talked about leading authentically, uh, building your culture, you know, that kind of fun stuff so was that four sessions uh or, yeah i guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we lose count eventually right we, yeah. I, so i i also did four sessions and i learned throughout the planning process several months ago uh, from sean bonner who's the education manager quick shout out to sean actually for just yeah. managing all the education i i've got to imagine that's like doing a jigsaw puzzle in a blender. Like I, I can, I, I can only imagine uh, just kind of piecing all that together. So shout out to him. Uh, he sent me a note when I had locked in my fourth session and he was like, just, just letting you know, Josh, that's the maximum anyone is allowed to do or allowed to, <laughs> allowed to speak at, at NIAP Expo. So when I saw him on the Friday of the show, I told him, I said, Hey, next year, I'm going to do five. <laughs> he goes, Oh, you're going to break the rules. I said, no, I'm going to break the record. So I don't know. Record. Exactly. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, do you want to give us a, a quick rundown or maybe uh, what some of the, the biggest takeaways were perhaps from, do you want to start with the listening session? Lost Art of Listening? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will, you know, kind of preface this, I guess, by saying that this session came out of the pandemic because one of the things that I started doing was, you know, just putting my, my, my Calendly link out there and saying, anybody want to talk? You just need to blow off some steam, just talk about whatever it is. Let's talk. And I realized not only how important that was for me, just as a as a listener, like getting their stories and hearing their stories, which in some cases were you know illuminating and, and inspiring, in some cases they were heartbreaking, um, but it also really reiterated how important listening is to the person being listened to. Um, and I had actually 
been quoting some research that I heard many, many years ago, but it didn't really culminate. And I didn't really figure out exactly what it meant until this experience. And the research is by a gentleman named Dr. Rick Bommelier, who teaches at Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. And he does he st studies the emotional impact of listening. And he's found that the emotional impact of being listened to is so close to that of being loved that most people can't tell the difference. So when you can really listen to someone and avoid the distractions and not make assumptions, then you can really show them that you care. And when I did these, I just called them listening meetings, you know, I would ask at the end, I would say, you know, is, was this helpful? And people were like, oh my gosh, yes, this was great. And it was maybe a half an hour. Maybe I said something, maybe I didn't, but that experience really showed me how important listening is. And then putting that in the context of leadership, if we are trying to, in some cases, reframe how we you know, are engaging with our employees. And we know that from a financial standpoint, 2021 was, was great, but from a, a staffing standpoint, it wasn't so great. If we need new ways to engage our teams, then it's not about, you know, the, the giveaways and the incentives and the pizza parties. It's about making a personal connection. And that's really the, the crux of that particular session. So I, I cited that research from, from Dr. Rick. You know, I talked a lot about distractions and the things that, you know, can distract us and pull us away from a conversation and make people feel like we don't necessarily care about them. One of the takeaways or one of the, the examples I shared was I was uh, recently um, uh, dealing with a, or interacting with a park president at one of the parks I was working at. And as soon as I walked into his office, he closed his laptop lid. And I could tell right then and there, he was ready to listen. He was setting the stage for having a conversation. And so when we talk about distractions, you know, our phones, our technology can be a huge distraction. So figuring out how to, how to, minimize those distractions and actually make eye contact and have a, a real conversation with people. Um, that was something that, that I spent a lot of time talking about in many different ways in that session. Uh, but hopefully that was one of the takeaways that people got. Yeah. And it, the way that you put that too, the way I interpret that is that that could be one of, if not the most important lessons in leadership of listening and the impact that it has that you said the emotional impact that people feel when they're being listened to is so closely to being loved that they can't tell the difference. That right there, I feel like could be the framework and then deconstructed to say, okay, well, what are the building blocks that go into that? And one of them being like, close your laptop when somebody walks into the room, that's you know more of kind of a, uh, what would you say, like a, a mechanical function, yeah. I would say that you do that, but it all feeds into the overall intention. And of course, you look at it from the leadership standpoint, I have my guest experience gears turning now awesome. too. And when I talk a lot about service recovery, and I, I love talking about the last model, the L in last is listen. And I think that that's a really uh, kind of important piece of that, because sometimes I'll say it every once in a while, somebody just wants to be heard and they just want to be listened to. And sometimes if you're dealing with a service recovery or a complaint resolution issue, sometimes that's it. Once you get through the, the listen, if you do that part really well, because that's what they want. Mm -hmm. And so now tying that into, wow, that really having that emotional impact uh, really uh, feeds nicely into both leadership and I think guest experience too. Well, it, this goes back to so many conversations we've had. It's it's all about human beings, right? right? And we have this this base need to feel valued. And if by me listening to you or listening to an employee or listening to a guest can show them that I value them, then I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of what you can accomplish together and the relationship that you can build. So I, I think that's just, I mean, that, again, that was kind of my, the, the impetus for this, this entire session. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed listening to you sharing those takeaways. <laughs> that's <it>. So, <laughs> so how, how about you? You did a lot of stuff with young professionals. Yeah. So one of the, uh, one of the sessions that I did, this was an edgy talk and this was, this was fun because it was a 15 minute, just kind of a get on stage talk and then you know, get off type of uh, type of circumstance. So first, I, I will say, I loved the talk format. I loved not only delivering my presentation, but also sitting in on others too. I think that they're very, uh, what's the word, like just 
quick and actionable, I would say. Yep. And, and I love how they complement the longer format education sessions as well. So uh, those from IAPA, if you're listening, Sean, if you're listening, <laughs> then we love the education session for, or the, uh, excuse me, the edutalk format. And uh, and I think that there's there's a lot that that part of the program, I think can even continue, grow and expand. The edutalk that I did, uh, was one that I had suggested to the Young Professionals Committee because I'm on the I'm on the committee was about building a personal brand and using that as your primary way to either get promoted or get a new job or get new business if you're on the supplier side or get new leads if you're in sales. So really try to create it from the framework that could apply to a variety of different capacities. And the message behind that really was saying that your personal brand is more than your job title. It's more than, in many cases, the employer that you work for, but it's really about you specifically and that you being in the business of you, regardless of what capacity that then falls into of whether it is being in management or leadership or whether it's being in sales or whether it's running a business or if it's in engineering or project management or any facet of the industry, marketing, all, you know, all of that that being able to find a category and owning it can really set you apart from many other people. And uh, some of this was inspired actually by, uh, by a webinar that you and I hosted a little over a year ago. I think it was right before the virtual IAPA Expo uh, in 2020, where we were able to sort of gather, it was good enough, I say in air quotes, <laughs> for what we were able to do. And we, we did a, a networking in a pandemic webinar. We, we talked a little bit about finding your voice. And we, we did this call out to everyone who was on the webinar as far as saying, what are the characteristics and, you know, and unique attributes of yourself? And we got so many great responses of people that, that submitted uh, just through the chat in Zoom. And a lot of them were very, I would say, good qualifications from a baseline standpoint, people said, uh, you know, I'm trustworthy, I'm self-motivated, I'm confident, I'm compassionate. And I think obviously those are phenomenal skills to have, but they don't really differentiate you from anybody else. So you really need to look at, you know, a particular category or concept that you can really go all in on and then own that. So for instance, when I think of leadership in the attractions industry, I think of Matt Heller. I think you <laughs> own that category 100%. So the idea is to say, well, how can you take a category and then focus on building that and weaving that into your personal brand? So when people think of that need that they have, they then think of you and they align you with it. And that could lead to job opportunities. It could lead to promotion opportunities. It could lead to new sales, new business, things like that. Well, first of all, thank you for that. Um, well, second of all, I, mean <laughs> <laughs> um, I got to see your EduTalk. And one of the things that I took away from that, um, besides the fact that Gravedigger shouldn't have been so close, but besides that. Um, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but but I, I agree with you. I think the, the format was really, really cool. Um, and I don't know if you said this specifically, but what I really got out of it was that your brand is so much more than a business card. It's so much more than your resume. It's so much more than the visual stuff that we so often take time and so much time to put together. But like you said, you know, it's about your reputation. It's about, it's about your actions. Yes. I can say I'm trustworthy, but how, how have I proven that? And these are the things that I've really, I really took away from your, your session. And you started off by saying, you know, if you think of um, what was it tidying up, Right. And, you know, if you think of all these other things, who do you think of? And and I think what you really did in, in a nice way was thinking of what do I want to be known for? Right? right. So if it's guest experience and I think of Josh Liebman or if I think of of tidying up, it's Marie Kondo or whoever it is, you know, that's what you that's what you ultimately want. And I think the big challenge is for a lot of young professionals speaking from, you know, someone who is in those shoes and still feels this way in some ways is that you've got to continue to hone that and prove it throughout the years. And it's not something you can just put on a business card, 
right? It's not something you just put on your resume and say, this is my brand. You've got to live it. You've got to, you've got to be consistent with it. And you really do have to kind of figure out where that, where that puzzle piece is that you fit in and that you can really thrive and be um, really passionate about what you're doing, that it doesn't become a chore. It's not a strategy. It's just kind of who you are. Right. And, and it becomes very natural for yes. you to embody that. And like you mentioned, it's not an overnight thing or just putting it on a business card. It is playing the long game. And yeah. one of the other, the other points that I made in the presentation is you don't get to decide when you're there. It must completely come from external forces when people start to maybe call you to say, hey, I've got this need and I know that you're the one who could solve it. So I have a question about that because dealing with a lot of young professionals, do you find that they are, because I know I was, impatient to get there, right? And, and impatient to say, well, this is my brand and I want to define it, but I love what you just said there about somebody else has to define that. Yeah, I I think that it, impatience probably, you know, could be, I mean, I, I also definitely was and to an extent still am very impatient in, in many aspects. And I think that maybe take impatience, what they can do is take impatience and reframe it as persistence mm. and to say, okay, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to get there. Now I'm going to accelerate that by continually focusing more and more and more on the personal brand that I want to be known for and the category that I want to own. And I'm going to find more and more ways to amplify that so that my impatience can pay off in more of a natural way. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of how I see that as well, that you need the persistence to get there is you walk around the trade show floor, you see Josh over in there, the roller booth, and he's got his, his black t-shirt on and he's, you know, everybody's doing their thing. Right. And you, you walk up and you say, he's got a podcast. He's got two podcasts. He's, you know, all over the place. He's all about guest experience. How do I do that? Right. And it's never a straight line, right. Right you know, from being a student to being in the booth or presenting a program or whatever it is, it's never a straight line. So I think that that question is, how do I get there to do that? But it's really about the baby steps that you take to build your brand, because maybe that's not where you want to end up. Maybe you don't want to end up at a, at a booth and that's okay. Right. Maybe there's some other path for you, but you've got to figure that out on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a snowball is what it is, yeah. is the more you yeah. do, the more it compounds and the more velocity it gains to have the propensity to grow. So, yes. Yeah. So Matt, I'm going to throw it back to you. What's uh, what's another session, another uh, big takeaway you did. I did say the word velocity. I don't know if you're going to maybe tie that into one of your takeaways. <laughs> I, I think I will. Um, and that has to do with Velocicoaster. Um, okay. uh, so one of the other sessions that I was involved in, it's hard to say this is a session because it was a day and a half. Right. So it was it was a full program, the, the leadership symposium. And I'm on the uh, IAPA or HR committee, and I'm so excited to be back on this committee. Um, I've been on the, the facility ops committee. I'm, I'm really just excited to be on any committee. But this one in particular, because um, we get to deal with those topics that are so near and dear to my heart. And we rebranded this from the HR symposium to the leadership symposium because we wanted to focus more on people that are people leaders that didn't necessarily have the HR title because leadership is so um, broad and so universal. And, and whether you're a, you know, a go-kart lead or a, you know, a CEO, we all have to deal with leadership. So we rebranded it to that. We had a half day experience at Universal and then a full day experience at the convention center. And we did get to ride Velocicoaster as part of that. Um, one, of my, one of my sort of takeaways that showed itself in a couple of different ways um, is that it never hurts to ask for things, right? And I think that's something that as you grow in your business, you get more willing to ask for the things that you think you may not get. So we started planning this, 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 um, this symposium and we knew we were going to go to Universal for some sort of, um, uh, you know, panel discussion, you know, learning about how they came through COVID. And that was phenomenal, right? The, the panel discussion that they put together was absolutely amazing. Um, but we also, like I said, got to ride a Velocicoaster. And it was just in the planning process that I said, hey, 
can we ride Velocicoaster while we're there? And they made it happen. And so I'm still a little marveled at how we got to ride on Velocicoaster in an HR program and a leadership program, but it worked. And, you know, it was a great start to the day. Uh, but we actually did use some of the lessons that they learned and and the things they put into practice at Velocicoaster um, a little bit in the um, in the panel discussion and then even the, the day after when we debriefed. Um, but that whole session was really designed for people to network to, with each other, to learn about some leadership pieces. We had a great panel discussion in the um, in the conference center. So we had Ryan Stana, we had Heather Barnes, we had Amy uh, Lowenstein from Unleashed Brands. Uh, as part of that panel discussion, they talked about how they, they reflected on their business and they reinvented it. And that was really our whole theme was reflection and reinvention. And one of the biggest takeaways I had was our, our closing speaker was, was Matt King from Meow Wolf. And he did a great presentation about his leadership philosophy and things. And one of the things he said is that reflection and reinvention is cyclical. And I never really thought about that. But when he said that, it really struck a chord with me because he's absolutely right. We don't have to have a pandemic to reflect on what we've done or to reinvent ourselves, right? It can happen at any time, right? We could reflect on our last 200 episodes and reinvent how we do the podcast if we felt like that was needed or, or was necessary. I could do that for my business. You could do it for your business. We could do it for how we live our lives. It absolutely is cyclical. And I think that that message that it is cyclical and we should be kind of constantly doing it was something, again, that really hit home with me and something, it's just been, the wheels have been turning ever since I heard him say that uh, on, on that afternoon. I love that. I think that's such a great statement. Nice pun too, that your wheels have been turning on this <laughs> cyclical process. Uh, and that the pandemic forced a lot of reflection, which resulted in a lot of reinvention. But it sounds like what you're saying is if, if there's not a pandemic or not large external forces that are doing that, it, you should not become complacent with where you are. You should always be reflecting on past successes and failures and in a continual process of reinvention. Am I understanding that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think when we talked about the quote unquote new normal, right? And we talked about when are things going to get back to, you know, what we, what we used to know, that was maybe a little bit of complacency, right? Because, hey, 2019 was a great year. 2020 was supposed to be a, a really big year for a lot of people. And you heard people say that. So people were wondering, when are we going to get back there? Well, we're not, right? And we, we've had that discussion before. We're not going back there, you know, to, to look exactly like it was. So I think if we, if we just stayed on that path, and I'm not sure what 2021 and 22 would look like, right? But I'm also kind of excited because we did have this, this shakeup. I'm not excited for the pandemic. Let's not say that. But, you know, I'm excited because this really got people's gears turning about how they could reinvent their business. And some things are here to stay. Some things, you know, we'll, we'll let go by the wayside. But that, that thought process of not just resting on your laurels because this is what worked and we're going to keep that train rolling. Let's, let's look at things a little differently. So yes, that's, that's exactly what I'm, what I'm getting at is, is what I took out, out of that. Yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So you also did some sessions on guest experience. I did. I, I did two of them. One of them was using technology to enhance the guest experience. Mm -hmm. And that one was a panel discussion that I moderated. I had uh, Mandy Sabrandi from Skywheel. I had Jen Rice from Wozone and I had Clint Novak from Funland of Fred Fredericksburg. And what we did is we really went through the, what I call the guest experience cycle to kind of bring back the, the cycle reference and each kind of main component of the guest journey and look at ways that technology is able to enhance those elements. And, and the nice thing was, these were all operational people who I had on the panel. This was not a technical conversation of like, you need this hardware and you need this specific software and this amount of RAM and all that. It was specifically like, what tools are you using to implement into your operation that ultimately enhance your business and enhance your guest experience. So we looked at uh, prior to guests arrival, the ways that they are able to use their website and communicate with guests ahead of time. And then we talked about 
once guests arrive on site, what tools are able to use to kind of expedite the process and sort of enhance the overall efficiency of the operation. And then going into the post visit of saying, well, the guest experience doesn't end when the guest leaves your park or leaves your facility, but keeping the conversation going in terms of collecting guest feedback, as well as recommending memberships and annual passes and word of mouth. So we looked at, uh, I would say a, a number, lo looking at it really from that viewpoint of saying, what are the best ways to implement certain tools into your business? You know what I love about that approach is that you said it wasn't about tech, even though it was about how to use technology to enhance the guest experience, your focus was still the guest, yeah. right? It's, it's still the person, it's still the human being. And I, I get that question, you know, quite often, even about the podcast, like what equipment are you using? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like throw up a microphone, record on Zoom, whatever it is, just get out there and do it, right? <clears throat> So the tool doesn't necessarily matter as much as the specific, like the, the RAM and, you know, the different program. It's, it's that you're doing something and how does that ultimately affect the guest experience? So what were some of the takeaways from, from your panel? Sure, absolutely. So what's really interesting is uh, there's obviously this big push throughout the industry to uh, get guests to purchase online in advance. And there's a lot of great data around that to say that if your guests buy tickets in advance, then when they show up at your door or at your gates, then they feel like their wallet is full. And now that gives you the opportunity for the ancillary in-park spend, the food and beverage, the retail, all that. So we were able to, to look at ways that you're able to package as much as the guest can purchase ahead of their visit, whether it's a few days or weeks or several months you know, ahead of their visit, if you're a, a larger destination property, but for most places, it might be days or weeks or so ahead of time. And then ways that you're able to then lead that into their visit and being able to use now that the things that they've already purchased in advance, whether it's some sort of, you know, express access or VIP or food and beverage package or whatever it is. Uh, but Mandy from Skywheel has a completely different approach because they do very little ticket sales online in advance. And I thought that that was an important piece to touch on because yes, there's this large push to say, get your guests to buy everything ahead of their visit. But then here's Skywheel, which has a location in Myrtle Beach and Panama City Beach that is very successful with walk-up business. That they've got, the, they've got the curb appeal of having a large observation wheel right there on the beach that really pulls people in, that kind of acts as its own billboard, serving a tourist market that's already there to, uh, to then bring people in. But then that now presents more challenges because now there's longer lines at the ticket window because of that, because people aren't purchasing in advance. So we were able to talk about how can you get your guests to purchase online but on site. And so we talked about, okay, you've got the QR code that the guests can scan that can go to your website and they can do it standing right outside the queue to get into the wheel. And they're able to make that purchase nice and easily and intuitively because they've got a great online point of sale system that uh, then makes that process very easy for them to do that. So it minimizes the wait time at the queue, at the box office and gets them in the line easier. I thought that that was... Um, I, I think one of the, the interesting takeaways from the pre-arrival standpoint, because it turned into kind of the on-site component too. What I think is really cool about that is when you were, when you were going through that and saying that they were you know, selling more tickets online, I was thinking back to an experience that I had that was exactly that hybrid that you just talked about, right? Because I was in San Francisco and I was kind of walking around Pier 39 and seeing how the San Francisco area of Universal Studios was modeled after a lot of these buildings. So that was, I was nerding out on Fishman's Wharf and the whole thing. Done very well, by the way. <laughs> extremely well, extremely well. Um, but Alcatraz is right there too. Right. And I didn't know if I was going to have time to to go visit Alcatraz while I was there. And I ended up having time. And I can vividly remember walking down Pier 39 with my phone, buying my ticket for Alcatraz. Right. And so it's that same sort of I'm on site. I could go to a ticket window if, you know, if, you know, it was down a couple of piers, but I wanted to make sure I got my, my two o'clock reservation or whatever it was. So I was there on site doing it from my phone. It was a, it was a, you know, very intuitive website. And I remember, I remember going back behind, you know, a restaurant or something. I'm standing next to the dumpster with my credit card, taking the picture of it. Cause I didn't want to be, you know, out in the middle of, you know, everybody that come back and, and take my credit card or whatever. But that hybrid model, I think is so effective because you do 
you you can accommodate the walk up, but if I had been at home and I knew I was going to be able to make it, I could have bought my ticket at home. So it's right. it's it it really does enhance the opportunity for the guest because now now it's more on you know their term their timetable and I could take advantage of it because I was there. And especially with continued acceleration of mobile adoption, which is by no means new, smartphones have been around for over a decade. But at this point, if you do not have an intuitive ticket sales website that is mobile friendly, then that's, I mean, everyone's walking around with the cash register in their pocket, basically. (laughs) That, Like what you just said, you didn't have to go wait in line. You could do it while you were on your way over there of just being able to do it as that's your self-service kiosk, basically. Yeah. And it's your device. And then you now, you don't have to print anything. You've got the ticket right there on your phone. You go right up there, saves a lot of headaches. So uh, yeah, that that on-site and online component is definitely definitely really important. And then I, I think the, you know, the, the biggest takeaway too that you mentioned is that the conversation about tech enhancing guest experience is not so much about the nitty gritty details of the technology, but the solution for the problems that we're trying to solve. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Back to you. What was, uh, what was the <laughs> next one? The, uh, was it CEO Speaks? CEO or- Speaks. Um, I will actually save a little bit of that because, okay. you know, spoiler alert, we might have some of those folks on the show. So um, I'll save some of the CEO speaks um, takeaways for that. Um, But I do want to talk a little bit about the the lunch and learn that we did with the uh, the FEC group, because some of the things we talked about there were, you know, building a great culture and leading authentically. And this is something that I heard over many, many different sessions. And sometimes it had to do with diversity inclusion. Sometimes it had to do with listening. Sometimes it had to do with just making people feel comfortable at work. And I think there's this, there's this um, thought that, you know, in order for people to bring their authentic selves to work, that you have to change so many things that you do. And it's not necessarily really true. You just have to be, you just have to be cognizant of what that means to that individual, right? So, you know, if someone is, you know, feeling a certain way, and, and we've seen this recently with, with hairstyles and, and, um, and dress code, you know, that now it's okay to have pink hair when you come to work or, you know, multiple piercings or whatever it is. That's just a, uh, you know, a, a very, um, you know, visual version of that. But people also have to feel comfortable from a, a diversity inclusion standpoint. So if someone has a different um, way that they look at the world or is different sexual orientation or whatever it happens to be, you know, they've got to feel comfortable coming to work and knowing that they're not going to be uh, put down, they're not going to be marginalized because of that, and that they're going to be able to, to be allowed to come to work and, and be themselves. Right. And I think one of the things that, that I took away, so this is sort of a step back to the, the universal uh, um, conversation, was that during this panel discussion, in that conversation, you know, somebody had said, you know, we went to our, our, our African-American alliance group and, you know, we said, OK, how can we best serve you? How can we best, you know, interact with with you and, and respect your your wishes and who you are? And one of the pieces of feedback got, they got was we're tired of telling you. Right. We're tired of telling you how to interact with us. First of all, just be a nice human being. Be kind. You know, treat me like you'd want to, you know, treat your, your, yourself to be treated. Um, but it's also like if we've told you already, we shouldn't have to tell you again you know, that kind of thing. And I think that leads also into authenticity, because if we're constantly asking you, you know, Josh, how do I interact with you as a Jewish person? Or how do I interact with someone, you know, that's got a different, you know, background than I do, then that's actually pulling ourselves out of the conversation and not, not just having, not just treating them as, as a person, but now I'm actually putting up a wall because I see that you're different. There's a, there's a lot yeah. of stuff to unpack there, but that's that was a, a huge takeaway for me from both of those conversations. Yeah. Do you think that if you come at it from the authentic approach, then you don't have to ask that question of how can I interact with you? And and does it, it does that question that question just seems very vague. It just seems like I don't I don't know what question to ask. So I'm just going to start at 30,000 feet and work my way, you know, around for what I learned versus bringing the authenticity into the question is uh, about maybe asking more specific questions 
like even before we hit record, you know, you asked me, you know, how Hanukkah is going, right? Like, because you, because you know that not like, Hey, how do I interact with you for being Jewish? Right. <laughs> yeah. But because you're, you have that authenticity, then you now have a little bit more proficiency to work with. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think it goes back to building relationships, you know, and because I have the relationship with you, I know that you're, you're celebrating Hanukkah and I can ask you about that. Um, and I, I think it also does, you know, kind of speak to just treating people the way you want to be treated. Right. And I, I, you know, I hate to bring it back to the, to the simple golden rule, but I think that's, that's so powerful. You know, if, if you are okay with someone asking you, Hey, you know, what, what's Christmas like for, for somebody who celebrates Christmas, right. I'm okay with that, but there's got to be a relationship there. You know what I mean? So I think, I think there's a, there, again, there's a lot to unpack there. We could probably spend a whole 400 episodes on that. Um, but I, I just think that the, the, the value and the, the discussion of authenticity came up a lot. So if you're not sure about something, if you have a genuine question for somebody, just ask them, right. And get to know them and build a relationship. Yeah. And the question probably needs to be more specific than how do I interact with you? Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I, I think you're right. We could talk about that for, for a long time. And uh, I think we've, we've had a couple of guests in the past where we've been able to cover this topic and I look forward to discussing it in the future and having more guests in the future. Cause it's uh, just such an important topic um, in, in our industry, but just as a whole globally, it is, uh, but definitely you know, we can talk about, uh, or we can learn more about the impact on our industry. So thanks for sharing that. And I'm glad that that was uh, one of the takeaways from your session. Absolutely. Absolutely. How about you? Do you have another one from one of your sessions or anything else? Yeah. So, so I did another one uh, for young professionals and uh, this one, I'll, I'll give a quick shout out to three of our amazing attraction pros interns, uh, Sam Bursick, Fabiana Fonseca and Paige Ryder. Uh, we did a panel discussion where we talked about success stories and insights from entering the industry during unusual times, uh, which I know is a, a mouthful of a title. And um, it was funny after, after Thursday, I said, I'm excited to not <laughs> keep saying this title all over again. But, you know, it, it really came from the fact that they are recent grad students and young professionals kind of in, in three similar but slightly different, uh, um, I would say, phases of their career. But the common link is the impact that the pandemic had on them and that they were all in such an amazing position and in such an amazing spot in their career and their trajectory at the beginning of March 2020. And then all really saw it kind of crumble just overnight. So we were able to talk about what that was like, talk about your career path up until then. Then we were able to say, then what happened and talk about just the immediate impacts of the pandemic. And then we really led into how they've been able to stay involved and engaged in the industry and continue networking, as well as stay up to date with career opportunities and jobs that are available. Uh, and it was it was really insightful. Personally, I learned a lot from it. I thought it was really interesting. The room, I mean, you were, you were in that session. Yeah. I mean, we had a, a big room full of, of young professionals. It looked like there were a lot of college students and recent grads in there. So I was so happy that we could do that session uh, for, for everyone there who is just looking to say, Hey, it's, it's a bit of a weird time. Granted, in, you know, here towards the end of 2021, it's not the same as, you know, the summer of 2020. And we started putting this session together uh, in early 2021. So we knew that a lot would, would change and continue to evolve. And thankfully, it looks like it's continuing in a positive direction. Um, I say at this time, at the end of November in 2021. And I, it, was, it was just really cool to hear how motivated and persistent, and in some cases, impatient at the same time in all the best ways that they've all been to be able to stay in control and really in the driver's seat when it seems like uh, there was a, a very big lack of control for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that session. And I, I was super excited to be there and actually meet the uh, the interns in person, yeah. right? We also got to meet Kate uh, Kajawa, who was an ambassador. So it was great to to be able to, to see them all in person. Kate's a lot taller than I thought she'd be, um, but that's beside the point. But what I thought was great too, not only their answers in the panel, and you moderated a fantastic uh, discussion with them, 
But to your point about them being a, there, there being a lot of college students in the in the audience was how many people just swarmed to them at the very end, you know, and it was like there was there was these three you know celebrities up there, which they of course they are, um, but the the students were coming up and they were so hungry for for knowledge and to follow up and and make connections and it was just so great to see you know Sam and Fabi and, and Paige kind of in their element and being able to share their experiences uh, beyond just what was happening on the stage, but then in a more personal way with with the people that came up. So obviously they had a big impact because you know, the people in the, in the room wanted to continue the conversation. So, you know, kudos to them. And again, kudos to you for, for a fantastic panel. Thank you. Uh, yeah, they were 100% rock stars. Um, I mean, it was like, it was like the crowd rushed the stage, right? No one came up to me. No one had any questions, they, right? All You're I did was the moderator, right? Yeah, I was just the moderator for that, but uh, it was, it was really cool to see, um, I would say just the the vibrancy in the room throughout the entire session. And then, yeah, people lingered for a while. I, at one point, I was like, wait, I got to go. I need to get back to the booth. I've been here for way longer than, than I expected to be. And that's just because people, people just wanted to talk. They wanted to learn more. And I think that that is I, probably a, a breath of fresh air that I hope many people in the industry see and feel is what this next wave of young professionals and industry leaders really looks like. I'll tie this in uh, to a session that I went to on Monday afternoon at the beginning of the expo, which was how do IAPA expo like an IAPA yo pro. And I think there were a couple of hashtags <laughs> in there. Um, and it was moderated by Jesse O'Daniel. She's the VP of guest experience at Kentucky Kingdom. She's also the chair of the Young Professionals Committee. And she had three panelists also from the Young Professionals Committee too. And uh, she made a point at the end uh, where she brought up a slide that said, you know, what's the future of the industry? And she looks out and she goes, you, you are all the future of the industry. And yeah, it came across as like motivational and, and like kind of there was that like mushy element. And then she pulled back and she said, no, I mean it. Like you guys are literally the future of the, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's just how time works, right? Like <laughs> people who are in the room at that time and those who are at that session are those who we're going to be looking to in 10, 20, 30 years or so making large decisions and uh, making some some big actions and making big waves in the global attractions industry. And that is just really cool to see. And, uh, and I mean, the, the talent that's there is hungry and, uh, yeah. and they're, they're ready to jump in because there's just so much passion there. Well, and there's no better, um, uh, uh, I guess, example of that than you, first of all, right. You know, starting as an ambassador and kind of coming through and now, now you're the one moderating and leading all these sessions and setting records for the number of sessions you're going to do at IAPA. Um, <laughs> but also I was struck when I, when I went in and observed the career slam, um, session and Brandon Thom was in there and Bobby Monorat who were ambassadors, you know, and I remember them sitting in the, you know, with their ambassador shirts on sitting as participants in that session. And now they're speakers in that session. So absolutely. Those, those young professionals are going to be the future of the industry, which it, that's a big responsibility, right? But I think it's also an amazing opportunity to think about how you can shape the industry. You're going to be the ones in the booths later. You're going to be the ones doing the sessions later. You're going to be the ones that can't walk the show floor, you know, without running into so many people that you know after you've been in the industry for a while, that's going to be you in a couple of years. And I think that's a great message. And I love that Jesse did that. You know, yeah. it's it's you like like putting the camera back on them and, you know, really allowing them to see what their future is going to be like and, and how they can make their future and make the industry better as they as they go along. Yeah. Didn't we meet in the career slam? Isn't we, that how we met? <laughs> like originally it could possibly yeah. be. Yeah, I think so. I know. I know. I was an ambassador. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was yeah. in 2007. So. Yeah. You, you should, you should speak at career slam. I'm going to talk to people next year. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So should we do one more, two more? Well, we're running low <laughs> on time. <laughs> so, um, I think I've kind of gotten through most of the, the big takeaways for my session, but I'd like to nerd out a little bit if that's all right. So one of the things that Fine. we do 
on Thursday night was go to to Disney's Hollywood Studios and we got to go to the Galaxy's Edge and we got to ride Rise of the Resistance and Smuggler's Run. Um, something that I've really been looking forward to for a so long time. You sound like like when Forrest Gump was like, and then I went to the White House <laughs> again, and then I met the president of the United States again. <laughs> well, that was not intentional. Things. <laughs> right. Not intentional, but I, I appreciate it. Um, and I would I would love to hear some of your thoughts as now that that, that has, has sort of digested with us. You and I got to... to um, pilot the Millennium Falcon together, which was super cool. Um, but what were some of your thoughts um, uh, on those two attractions? Well, without giving any spoilers, <laughs> I think Rise of the Resistance is one of, if not the greatest themed attraction ever built. And I know that that, is, that, that statement carries a lot of weight. Yeah. There's a lot of phenomenal attractions out there. And uh, I think it, it was... It, it surprised me at multiple points from, I mean, obviously just the, the scenic element of it, that of just how absolutely real it was mm-hmm. from both the actual, you know, it, I mean, from the queue and the actual physical elements to the, the projection elements. And I, it, honestly, it, I think it blurred the line. There were some points I could not tell what was real and, and what was a screen or what was a hologram or, or what wasn't. I, Love the story. It, it was so Star Warsy. Yes, I, and uh, it it did lead to what is now my most my my tweet with the most amount of engagement that I've ever gotten. Because one part of it reminded me of being on an airport tram, but it's driven by an animatronic. So I took a picture of it and then quoted. Uh, hi, this is Orlando Mayor, Buddy Dyer. I spelled okay. mayor wrong. There is a typo in my greatest tweet of all time. <laughs> but I guess a lot of people appreciated it nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm just going to say the cast. Mm. They 100% owned their roles to the point where it was, it, it wasn't just the fluffy Disney magic that you're used to when you're talking to the first order, you're talking to the first order. Now it doesn't mean that they're rude or that they're mean, but that they're militant and they perfectly balance the line of there's the operational efficiency of the actual, you know, running the attraction. There is the service element. There's the safety standards component. And then there's the character that they're in. And I, I can imagine it can be very difficult to teach that and then to consistently deliver on that. Uh, and then I was, I, the, the most amount of surprises happened before we actually even got on the ride itself. So that's all I'll say there. The way that they take you through the story, I think is just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a Star Wars fan, you know, from the, the original movie in 1977, um, I was in awe. Um, you know, and we were there when it was dark, so I didn't really get to see the the whole area. But just in in both of those um, attractions, you know, sitting at the at the chess table in the Millennium Falcon uh, was really really cool, and just kind of seeing things that you would see in the movie was 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 incredible. But for Rise of the Resistance, I, I agree that I think the story was cool. How they how they brought you through was cool. I think I almost separated myself a little bit because I was so in awe. Like when you go in and you see the, oh, well, I'm sure people know when you go and you see the, the big room of stormtroopers, right? Everybody has, has tweeted that or the, the ad ads. I mean, it's incredible. And you're just like eyes wide open, jaw dropping, you know, it's like you're, you're seeing these things in real life. And so I guess, and this isn't, is not a critique, but it was just how I was emotionally um, affected is that I think I was taken away from the story a little bit because I was so in awe of seeing these things that I'd only seen in movies. Does that make sense? Sounds like you had an out-of-body experience. I don't That's know, I- but, <laughs> but, but I actually remember saying this to you and some of the other folks that I was, I was with, I think after writing both of them twice, I thought Smuggler's Run was actually more fun because it was interactive and yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't have the time to be so in awe of what was, what was around me. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And you did mention that to me, I think while we were in line for smugglers run and you had already been on it yet, but I hadn't. So I was like, yeah. what's Matt talking? And I totally understood. I was like, yeah, this is more fun from the interactive side and in rise of the resistance. Sure. It's a little bit more passive, I guess, because it is a traditional theme park ride versus 
you are you are piloting the Millennium Falcon. Um, but yeah, I think that they they each have their own, I would say like like very separate but equally as I don't know powerful impact. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. Points. So that just means you need to ride Rise of the Resistance more and more so you can be more embodied with the story. I'm in. I'm in. Um, and, and I will echo what you said about the cast. Um, the cast members were phenomenal. And it wasn't just a spiel. And I think that's what really was was kind of going through my head is there were in-theme, in-character interactions that, you know, it's like doing a, a session, right? When you ask the audience a question, you have no idea what they're going to say. Yeah. Well, I remember the, the 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 four of us. I think it was you and Robbie and Scott and I, you know, waiting to go on the the the, the rise of the resistance. And there was a, a a cast member there who was like interacting with us and so perfectly in in character and kind of dumbfounding me about like I don't know what to say. Like even to you know to be part of this conversation, I'm just just you know kind of observing it all. Um, but I think that was that was an amazing. I won't even say add on, right? That was that was just part of the experience. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that they're uh, they're so well immersed into the story of the attraction, and probably to an extent to Star Wars in general. That uh, it was it was Robbie who we were with. He was he was asking a question, or or the cast member asked if we knew where the base was, and they had a dialogue back and forth that I, I felt I felt like we were just sitting and watching a movie. Right, like yeah, it was like this. This is clearly very well prepared. This isn't a, a oh yes, sir. Thank you for asking me this question. They blah 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 blah. They're, thank you for taking interest in this ride. No, you're not on a ride. You're in a, a highly immersive experience. So I think yeah. they did a phenomenal job with that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, sh- I'll share share one thing that might be a little bit of a spoiler, but I think the the cast member that did this deserves a shout out. Um, I didn't get her name unfortunately, but um, it was Smuggler's Run. You know, and at the end you don't land like you should land. Let's just say that. And, well, you're the Millennium Falcon. Why would you? <laughs> and so when we came out of the, the pod, right, there's a cast member standing right there. And for anybody watching, you'll see this. She, her glasses were like this, you know, because she just had experienced that crash landing with us. It's a small detail. It's probably not anything that they taught. Maybe they did. I don't know. But she just took that. And, and went to the next level. Like that's not even part of her, her wardrobe. She wears glasses. So I, I, that was a, a detail that just solidified the experience on you know so many levels higher than I've seen in, in other attractions. And you know what the best part of that is? It's completely free. Yes. Yes. There's this huge investment in the attraction. And, yes. and this, I don't know how many <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars went into building that. And then- the memorable aspect that you had was something, a small detail a cast member decided to do. So, I, I mean, that, I think that that point cannot be understated, that it is the people delivering the experience that makes it what it is. Absolutely. So. 100%. 100%. All right. Good. Cool. So should we wrap up this uh, this takeaway episode of the IAPA Expo 2021? Yeah, yeah. How would, how would you wrap up your takeaways or just the IAPA experience? Well, I have eight bullet points that I think <laughs> summarize this into. Go ahead. Uh, the first is that the emotional impact of being listened to is so close to the impact of being loved that most people can't tell the difference. Number two is that your brand is more than a business card and a resume. Number three is that it never hurts to ask. And there's more on asking in, in number six. But number four is reflection and reinvention is cyclical. Number five is that your technology should focus on serving your guests, not just be fancy technology. Number six is be authentic. And if you don't know, don't be afraid to ask. Ties in nicely with it never hurts to ask, even though those were two contexts and different conversations. There. <laughs> Number seven, the young professionals truly are the future of the industry and the industry is looking good or the future is looking good. And number eight is that the people delivering your experience make it what it is. That sounds like a jam-packed week that we got, yeah. <laughs> got all that out of it. Um, how much are you looking forward to next year already? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, I always have this week blocked off in my calendar every single year. Yeah. Uh, it's week before Thanksgiving. It's what is it? The third week in, in November and there's nowhere else I'd rather be. And, and with the people I'm with, there's no one, no one else I would rather be with than tens of thousands of my closest friends at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando. <laughs> it truly is the most wonderful time of year. And so thank you, Josh, for kind of going through this, this wrap up. Uh, I learned a lot of things from, from you and um, I hope that the, it was valuable for the listeners. If you got to go to um, the expo in Orlando, we'd love to hear what your takeaways were. So shoot us a note at attractionpros at gmail.com or find us on any of the socials. We'd love to hear what some of your takeaways were. Um, and if you weren't there, then we'd love to know if this was a, a valuable episode for you. <laughs> and hopefully we'll see you at a future expo. And, and thanks again to everyone who came up to us and let us know that they listened to the show or that they tune in. We really appreciate it. And the reason why is because we are all Attraction Pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release, and even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.